Welcome to Unblocked by DeFi, a fortnightly podcast to get you started on your journey in crypto. We are here to help you understand and navigate the topsy-turvy crypto space. I am Keshav Sharma and this is episode number 5. Some say it is the future of the internet. Some say it is nothing but a marketing ploy. Or could it be something that one day enriches each and every one of us? What is web3? and how it changes everything on the internet and otherwise in this episode i will go down the rabbit hole and answer some of these questions as the name suggests it's the third version of the internet web3 but before we explore what web3 is let's go back memory lane and see what web1 was and how web2 is web1 was the first installment of the internet It saw the light of day by the early developers in the 1990s. It was called the static web or the read-only web, which had three basic technologies. The formatting language was HTML. It was used to put up websites. You could locate unique resources using URLs, and you could retrieve the information using HTTPS protocol across the web. Since it was the static web, it wasn't that user-friendly. it was one size fits all as there was no way to dynamically serve pages and the pages themselves were pretty basic the most common uses were sending and receiving emails and retrieval of information the information traffic was one way the person or company behind the website published the content and the users had no way to interact with the information the only way for them was to consume it as read only It was only in the year 2005 when the web 2 concept was born. With several advancements, web 2 saw the introduction of interactivity. This interactivity was between the users and the publishers. New technologies that made it possible were JavaScript, CSS, and the HTML5. Now is when the users started creating their own content. Web 2 became the read and write web. Users started playing a much more important role in the overall experience of these websites. These pages became immersive as relatability increased because of increasing engagement. Web2 is also called the social web. Those companies that went all in on innovation on mobile phone apps managed to make the most of this new revolution. Giants like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Google, Uber, and Airbnb etc were born thanks to web2 they took full advantage of this new trend in technology and made great strides in hooking users to the screens during these times these companies leveraged user data and literally became the biggest companies of all times enriching their stakeholders in the current day and age it is difficult to find people who are not using the services of one or more of these companies anywhere in the world They have literally transformed the way we live our lives from the way we order food to the way we book cabs to the way we travel and to the way we engage and interact there is literally no restriction for communication anymore we can pick up the phone and not only do a voice call but do a video call to anyone anywhere in the world for as long as we want practically for free but we need to ask ourselves this question that is this really free Are we missing something here? What is the caveat here? Web two is owned and controlled by these top companies. They control 
everything on the platforms. They leverage our personal data to their advantage. It is true that in return, it has made our lives way easier. But we are also immensely dependent on them. They can enforce an arbitrary deplatforming, and the users cannot do anything but comply with the rules laid out by these big tech companies. Everything you do online can effectively be limited by those who control these services. Let's explore the issues with it. There is centralized point of failure. When it goes down, one cannot access their data. You cannot interact with the applications. If you have to do something important and the web servers are down, you cannot really do much. Our personal data is the sole reason why these companies have any value. This data is everything. All the data that we put in to access content from these sites is the sole reason why they are able to sell us ads and a lot of times even manipulate us. They know the preferences that we have shared with them, thinking that they can be trusted by our choices. Imagine being vulnerable to someone who knows all your secrets and then uses these vulnerabilities against you for their benefit. Web2 is also permissioned web which means you can use these services only because they have given you the permission to use it. You can use these services only because they let you. They can any day restrict your use or remove you from the platform whenever they want. The Web2 companies are legally allowed to remove you from the platform. Why? Because we have signed the terms and conditions provided by them before we start using their platforms. Web2 companies control the code, the user, the data, and all the value that comes with it. Do you know top five tech companies in the world together have higher capitalization in trillions of dollars than most countries' GDP in the world? And come to think of it, this value comes from monitoring our data and none of that value is transferred down to us. This is where, drum roll please, Web3 comes in. It is the next generation of the internet. As we envision it today, it will be far more decentralized, permissionless, censorship resistant, and sovereign. This will be the form of web where we as users will not only help create the content, but also own our share of the pie. What that means is that individuals will also govern a part of the web. All the users, just by virtue of being users, will have the ability to own a part of the network. This will be the new internet. Read, write, own internet. Now let's look at the backbone technologies of this new form of the internet. The most obvious name that comes to mind is Ethereum. Already many dApps, a dApp is a decentralized app, are being built on the Ethereum network. But Ethereum is not the only platform. There are several other networks on which Web3 environment is getting built. Now let's look at how does this impact us and how will we own a part of the network. The very basic way in which this is possible is by going back in the past and assuming if Facebook was built as a decentralized app and all the users which were coming to Facebook had the ability to own a token issued by Facebook. The earlier you joined the network, the cheaper the tokens were, and the more users came in, the more value of the token increased by virtue of network effects. Now, this didn't happen for Facebook, but believe you me, it is going to happen in future. All the new decentralized apps have this feature. The users of the network automatically become a part owner by the simple virtue of using the network. 
These native crypto assets allow those who participate in the networks itself to share in the value that's generated from it. Web3 promises an alternative where we are all users, owners and developers. One of the biggest difference between Web2 and Web3 is that there is no centralized database server where you store all the data. In the case of blockchain, all the data is distributed and is stored on a decentralized ledger where me, you and everyone agree on the state of the network. Although there are several technical aspects to it, the key takeaway here is that the backend of Web3 is inherently decentralized, which means that if one of the participants goes down, the network still runs. It is not banking on one location or one node or one server. Even if one of the nodes gets hacked, no problem, the security doesn't get affected because it is decentralized. Also, a distributed blockchain network is cryptographically secure. Unless you have the keys, you cannot alter the smart contract. And even if you have the keys, if you change the code, you will get separated from the network. Hence, it is in the individual's favor to maintain the sanctity of the network and refrain from any nefarious acts. Since it is cryptographically secured, you don't have to trust anyone with your data. The code is fully open source and it can be audited by almost anyone. Another important aspect of Web3 is unlike Web2 sites, you don't have to create your profile. You don't have to put any personal information like age, sex, location, etc. Neither are you required to follow know your customer protocols. All you need to do is to have a freely available Web3 wallet and you are good to go. No one can stop you from accessing as no one has control over what you are seeing or doing. In other words, the court cannot know the individual behind a crypto wallet. Now, these are all great things about Web3. And although I shared so many advantages, but nothing that was ever built was built without its fair share of challenges. There are several hoops to jump before we get to mass adoption. There are scalability issues. The user experience is really bad at the moment. Accessibility is a big concern. And there are fees associated with almost all the transactions in Web3 space. What do I mean when I say there are a lot of challenges? Let's look at these challenges a little more in detail. The first challenge is scalability. Transactions are slower on Web3 because they are decentralized. Not everything is good about decentralization after all. Changes to state like a payment need to be processed by a miner and propagated throughout the network, which can sometimes take several minutes. Imagine waiting for an app to refresh for a few minutes and not seconds. How frustrating can that be? User experience. Interacting with Web3 applications can require extra steps, software, and education. This can be a hurdle to mass adoption. As no one would like to remember a 16-digit seed phrase to open the wallet and sign a transaction every single time. Then there is accessibility. Lack of integration in modern web browsers makes Web3 applications less accessible to most users. And... Last but not the least, the cost. Most successful dApps put very small portions of their code on the blockchain as it is expensive and compare it with the existing Web2 apps where you use them for free. Won't that be something hard to adopt? Imagine your grandma or someone who's not very tech savvy being asked to pay for fee every time they made a transaction. 
although I highlighted some existing issues with the tech, but let me remind you that Web3 developers are working as feverishly as ever to bridge the gaps. Decentralized apps and technologies are being built in almost all the spheres of our lives. Be it social media, entertainment, the finance, and the web as we see it will be replaced by crypto and Web3 in the future. I believe it is inevitable and the reason why I say this is because just look at Bitcoin. In the last 10 years, it has seen global adoption, many institutions are buying into it, and a country has declared it its legal tender. Decentralized web or Web3 is a powerful way to develop community-owned networks and provide a level playing field for users, developers, creators, and businesses. Without a shred of doubt, it is our best bet at building a more inclusive internet that respects all who use it. Yes, there are several hurdles along the way, and it won't be a walk in the park. As I speak, Web3 is trying to scale and ramp up in an environment that was developed for Web2, but every second new solutions are being built to make it more robust. I also believe that Web3 will put the power back in the hands of the user, and that will allow us to price all sorts of things. Things that we could not price in the past, for example, a minute of your time, a JPEG, a megabyte on your hard disk, all these things become priceable and the wealth transfer that leads is going to be unfathomable. I would love to get comments from you guys on your thoughts on Web3. What are your thoughts on Web3? Do you think this is some pipe dream or you also smell possibility? Till I come back with a new one, this is Keshav Sharma signing off. See you soon.